everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Kush Nurse Podcast. Super excited today. We are recording on November 3rd, 2020, Election Day. So there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of stress, chaos, all those wonderful things. But today, we are focused on the wonderful, positive, and beautiful plant of cannabis. So on our show today, I have the amazing Jesse Gill, who is a wonderful cannabis nurse that I have had the privilege of getting to know virtually and also learning so much from. She's also the founder of Marijuana Mommy. And today I'm just gonna have her kind of say hey, introduce herself, and then we're gonna talk about questions parents have have asked me about cannabis use, not only with their kids, but also their own personal cannabis use and how to talk to their kids about it. So Jesse, welcome. Thank you so much for having me today, Sandra. It's great to be here. Yes, I'm super excited. So what the heck is a cannabis nurse? <laughs> a cannabis nurse is a nurse with a special knowledge and dedication of cannabis therapeutics. So uh, we come from all different backgrounds, you know, a wide variety of specialties and areas. And, and many of us find the plant as patients. And then um, we spend our time and our, our vocation kind of transitions into teaching people about this remarkable natural medicine. I love it. So how did you find cannabis nursing? Like what brought you to this plant? Uh, Like so many other nurses, I came to cannabis as a patient and I was a hospice nurse. And in 2014, I was injured in a, you know, bizarre work accident and it left me with multiple herniated discs in my neck and a great deal of nerve damage in the back of my head and, and down my right arm. And I started that journey like so many other people do. You know, I was really, I really believed that the doctors would fix me. You know, it was just a matter of time before I found that, that procedure or that medication that was going to, you know, give me my life back. And, you know, unfortunately that really didn't happen with with um, traditional medicine. Eventually I had a multi-level spinal fusion and that actually made me worse. And at that point they told me there was nothing else they could do for me and that I was just going to have to live my life in pain. And I was taking opiates and Valium around the clock and a ton of other medications, you know, which all had very significant and devastating side effects. And I was basically just existing Um, And, you know, it was a very, very miserable, sad time. I lost my career. And a friend told me that I should try cannabis. And I thought it was ridiculous. I said, that's absurd. You know, I would know about it. I'm a nurse. I would know if this was going to help me. I'm a hospice nurse. You know, I help people with pain and comfort. And um, I was telling my mother about it. And my mom is also a registered nurse. And she's like, why wouldn't you look more into this? You've tried everything else out there. Like, why wouldn't you look into this? She's like, God works in mysterious ways. And I was like, that's really cliche, but I will explore it. And, you know, for me, a great deal of the, you know, I I had, I wasn't completely cannabis naive. Like I had tried cannabis in my younger years and, you know, I had very negative associations to it at that point. And I was extremely afraid of the stigma. Um, you know, but after my mom talked to me, I started looking more into it and I was amazed at how much research was actually out there that really validated um, the benefits of, of medicinal cannabis. And so I went and my parents actually took me to my very first appointment at a dispensary. Oh <laughs> I was so nervous and anxious. And I, I mean, I can't drive because of the injury. So they, mm-hmm. they are, you know, 
amazing enough to drive me a lot of places. Um, but we went and it was really, really remarkable for me. Now I had a lot of trouble with the opiates and the Valium. Um, you know, I, I do not do well with most pharmaceuticals, um, but it was very, very easy for me to transition off of them. Mm -hmm. And that very same day I was able to stop opiates and Valium completely. Um, and I haven't needed them since starting cannabis in, you know, um, 2015, it's been amazing. And then slowly I was able to come off of all of the other medications and, you know, it just really, it was really remarkable. And it, it, I always tell people it didn't heal me. I'm not fixed. Like I still have a lot of limitations. I still fight pain and, but it actually is a tool that allows me to manage my pain and manage my other symptoms better than any pharmaceutical ever did. And it does so without those severe and devastating side effects. And in many cases, the side effects can actually be beneficial and enjoyable. I love what you said. You said it didn't, you know, because I think sometimes we want to, we love the plant so much and we know that it has so many benefits and we want to believe that it is like the miracle plant. Um, but one thing that you said was it didn't completely cure you or heal you, but it's helped you manage your pain. And I think that's really important um, to just highlight that. Um, because I, like you, was also on those um, opioids and things like that. And you're not able to really manage your life <laughs> when you're mm -hmm. on those medications. So I would rather manage my pain than have to manage my life. Um, and I think that was, um, that's something that's really key is, you know, it just, the, you're allowed to have less limitations and just be able to be more in control. I think mm -hmm. word um, of how you want to feel throughout the day and the things that you're able to do with the help of cannabis. So that was a really, really great point. And I'm also like, yay, you, your parents. <laughs> yeah, my parents are huge instrumental. They're amazing. I'm so fortunate. That was actually one of the questions for later, but you knocked that one out the park. Um, so another thing that I found quite interesting about you is that you started the, um, you're the founder of the Marijuana Mommy. First of all, why Marijuana Mommy? Why that name? And then also, you know, what was your goal? And, you know, what is, tell us a little bit about Marijuana Mommy. Sure. Um, Marijuana Mommy is a website that teaches new patients how and why to use cannabis. Um, and it started, you know, when I started, I was already writing, you know, after I became a patient, I had lost my career in nursing, unfortunately. I was never going to be a bedside nurse again. And so I had pivoted to writing. I needed something I could do at home. Um, you know, I needed some way to earn some sort of income um, and I needed to be able to do it from bed a lot. So I was writing, I was writing a lot about parenting, a lot about family health. Um, and then of course, naturally, I just organically started writing about my cannabis experience. You know, some of the first things I had were published in, um, uh, the first, some of the first things I wrote about cannabis were published in like, um, good housekeeping and red book. And so it just, it, my, um, at the same time, you know, my website, it was, it just kind of naturally transitioned into Marijuana Mommy. The SEO and um, the SEO was one of the biggest things that, mm -hmm. you know, pulled me towards that. That's kind of what I was ranking for. It's kind of what I was targeting. Um, you know, it was a cute, catchy name. Um, and it um, just, it really, one of the biggest things for me was really attacking and challenging the stigma and combining the, the words marijuana and mommy was like a really big yeah challenge yeah people hear it and they're like what I know <laughs> so, I, yeah. I, felt, I felt like oh yeah. wait a minute what yeah is what is right and a lot that's the reaction that a lot of people have and they're like oh 
that's kind of cute. Wait a minute. And then, you know, it kind of, it attacks the stigma right there just with the, with the brand name itself. Um, And then it was also partially a nod to, you know, my mom and her influence um, over my life and, you know, how much she influenced me just, you know, and encouraging me to explore this, this plant and not, you know, being resistant to it. I mean, there, that was a huge part of the reason, you know, I don't think I would have tried it if she hadn't encouraged me to. That is, I mean, you have a very unique and such a wonderful story. And I hope that we can get to a place where more mothers would be able to have those conversations and be like, you know what, honey, you might benefit from cannabis. (laughs) Um, Which brings us to kind of some of these questions that people have asked because they're so concerned. You know, a lot of the questions that I got when I said I was going to have the marijuana mommy on. And I said I was going to have you on was like, well, how do, you know, I'm an older adult, you know, I'm an adult and I have children and I'm just coming to cannabis. So most of, um, you know, people who are in their thirties and forties, like we all grew up in the just say no, we had to sign mm-hmm. away. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the war on drugs is definitely something that we've all kind of experienced <laughs> part of seen. Um, and Oddly, it has such a skewed perception, you know, it's a skewed view. Um, People who were impacted and affected um, definitely know what the war on drugs is. And then people who, you know, may have not been specifically impacted by it, they just see the stigma. They just see like this plant and the terrible, awful things about it. So now we have adults that are coming to cannabis that are filled with stigma. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Absolutely, yeah. We're coming to cannabis like, wait, I'm coming to this plant, but this plant is bad. This plant is something that I signed away on this little document and said, don't just say no. <laughs> um, and now we're having to talk to our children about cannabis. Um, so what do you say to... Um, to these individuals that are older and kind of coming to cannabis and now they're having to, you know, kind of juggle like how to have these conversations with their children about cannabis use. You know, that's, that's a great question. It's a question I get all the time and it's something I can so understand and relate to because I was there. I was in that position. You know, I had my kids were, my daughter had just started college and my son was in third grade. And when I became a patient, I'm like, what do I, do I tell them about it? Do I talk to them? And I was really, really afraid of the stigma and I'm a single mom. So that made me, you know, even more concerned. And I'm like, well, I never, you know, I tried all these other medications and I never talked to them about it or told them, you know, why would I tell them about cannabis? Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking about it. I thought about it a lot. And I'm like, you know, all these other medications, there's nobody in school teaching them that it's this evil, horrible, scary thing. And there's nobody teaching them that the smell is awful and bad or that it's going to hurt somebody. Like, what if they recognize what it is? What if they smell it? What if they see it and they've learned about it and they become afraid? What if they think I'm doing something illegal? And I realized, and then I thought about my son being in third grade and how he hadn't gone through dare yet. And it was only a matter of time before somebody introduced him to all of these ridiculous lies and fears Mm -hmm. about this plant. And how was that going to affect him to know that his mom was at home using it if he hadn't been educated already? And I realized how incredibly important it was to talk to him and teach him. And I only talked to talked to my kids and told them about it because I was in a legal setting. I always tell parents, like, if you're illegally consuming cannabis, 
kids, you really, really want to keep that information away from kids. That's not something that no matter how mature or, you know, your kid is, it's not something that a kid should really be burdened with that secret. Um, but for in legal settings, I strongly encourage patients to, to, to teach their children about their medical consumption. You know, this is a medicine. It should be treated like a medicine. Um, just like how we teach our kids about, um, you know, other medications, this is mine. You don't touch it. We keep it locked up. We keep it away. This is, you know, you have to teach about it and it doesn't matter the age of the child. There's always an age appropriate way to teach about it. If you have it in the house, Mm -hmm. um, it should absolutely be kept locked away and, you know, out of reach. Um, but even for patients that are not, I mean, even for people, for parents who are not patients, they also really need to be talking to their kids about cannabis. Now, one of the reasons, it's the same reason that I talk to my kids. Like, they're going to be taught about it in school. They're going to, in many areas, we still have DARE. Here in New Jersey, we still have DARE. They literally teach flat-out lies about it. And one of the most damaging things that DARE teaches and that, you know, our our health classes as well, our, our health classes for each grade level mm-hmm. are teaching is that cannabis is the equivalent of heroin or cannabis is the equivalent to opiates. Now, this is really, really dangerous because kids have, make very loose associations. And they're like, okay, well, they tell me cannabis is deadly and horrible and it's going to kill me and make me a drug addict, but I see people using it on TV. I see people all around me using it. Isn't that bad? Yeah. So then that's what they start thinking a lot of times. And I've heard this from so many so many young adults who struggled with addiction and said, you know, I really thought it was a lie too. I really thought when I took those pills, it wasn't that big a deal. I thought it was like, just like cannabis. So it's something that kids really, really need to, to have laid out. Like, look, you're this, you're going to see people using this. It's not for you. It's not good, but it's not the same thing as, as opiates. It's not the same thing as heroin. Those things are way more dangerous and kids can't have that confusion. And unfortunately that's kind of what we've been teaching a lot of kids. And it's what they still teach. And it's it's so hard because it's not just there and it's not just a drug prevention, you know, it's health class. And in so many times, you know, we've had these issues with my son. And when it was third and fourth grade, he would speak up. He's like, hey, marijuana is not a bad drug. Marijuana is a medicine. My mom uses marijuana. And, you know, fortunately, we had a good teacher who was very open and nice. You know, in another, in fourth grade, you know, he got, stuff marked wrong because he wrote in his essay that nobody ever died from marijuana overdose and he got points taken off. I'm like, and she wrote, we didn't learn about these facts, but it's like, those are facts. They are real. So it's, you know, unfortunately our teachers are not educated to teach appropriately about this. And it's something that parents really, really have to take the initiative to and do. I mean, teachers aren't educated. Doctors aren't educated. Yep. Nurses aren't educated. I mean, we, we're, we're all in this like deep dive of learning, you know, and I feel like we're just barely like surface with this plant sure. um, because of the, you know, obviously the limits with studies, limitations that we have with being able to do studies and things like that. Um, you know, the other, <clears throat> I guess, question to kind of bounce off of this one is, Right. So, you know, you said something before that I thought was really important, um, which is they're going to see it. They're going to know about it. So, you know, we also don't want to create more stigma by letting them believe that what other people are doing is wrong. Even if it's not something you're doing at home, you know, it's it's important to let them know that this medicine is 
available to people and that what they're doing is not wrong. But then we have that teen stage, right? Where they're curious and they're trying different things and they're finding, I'm like, teens can find anything Mm. in the world. You want to find something (laughs) as a teenager. True. I'm like, I don't know half of the drugs that are out there, like how to even acquire them. Like, I'm like, where, how do they find these things? (laughs) I couldn't even, I mean, I tell people all the time, I grew up in the Bronx. There was (laughs) cannabis around me. I didn't know where to get it. I didn't have like a person I could just be like, hey, can I, you know, I didn't know any of those. It's just the way I was raised was like with the stigma and very, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say sheltered, but I definitely had the fear of, you know, that's not something you touch. So now we have teens that are seeing billboards and all the things on media, social media, you know, we're, we're definitely glamorizing cannabis more, I feel now. Because okay. I feel like before it was like the, you know, for lack of a better way, it was kind of like the dumb stoner. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that was kind of like the, the picture that we would see. Now we're seeing it more glamorized. I mean, I watch shows all the time and everybody's like, you know, they're at a party and it's all like, hey, ching, ching, you know, they're clinking glasses and they're also popping edibles. So I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. this is definitely becoming more um, mainstream, but definitely. also without context and information. So how would you, you know, for parents that are like, okay, my teens are seeing it, they have access to it. You know, how do we create those conversations with teenagers for, I guess, better, uh, better choices, you know, to help them make yeah. choices. You know, it comes from education and it's funny. I, I did this, I did, uh, gosh, it was like 2015, 2016. It was when I first started at, in cannabis nursing, I did a PSA with Viceland and it was really cool. They came, they filmed in my house and we did this whole thing and, you know, it was on Viceland and, and I remember one kid, made a comment. It was like a younger guy. And he's like, man, marijuana is not even cool anymore. Every soccer mom's doing it. And I'm like, good. That's what we want. We want it to not be cool. Like we wanted like a soccer mom thing. Like it should be that way. It should be something for adults. So I think as we approach, you know, take the stigma and that forbidden, you know, away then, and we educate more, it becomes um, less attractive for some, for some teenagers. You know, we, I am a very adamant about, I teach about cannabis the way I teach about alcohol, the way I teach about sex, the way I teach about gambling. All of them are potentially dangerous. Anything that causes euphoria can potentially be addictive. And when we talk about that with teenagers, teenagers don't have a fully developed prefrontal cortex. So they cannot fully comprehend consequence, which makes them more at risk for, you know, the addiction or influence that things that produce euphoria can, you know, experience. So it is very, very important to teach them about that, to teach, to educate them. But it's also very, very important to um, teach about harm reduction as well. Um, So, you know, something I always teach, you know, younger people is do not buy cartridges from the illicit market. Do not buy cartridges from the illicit market. And sadly, that's what a lot of kids are getting their hands on. And those could be potentially deadly because we don't know what kind of chemicals they're putting in there. I mean, we've seen Evoli, you know, in, in so many young people. Um, so it is really dangerous, you know, to teach. I teach very, um, you know, I'm very adamant about teaching about dose control. Like you 
cannabis can make you feel like you're dying. If you take too much, it's not going to kill you, but you're going to feel like you're dying. And that's going to be a horrible, you know, awful experience. You could do stupid things if you're that, you know, that intoxicated, Um, you know, it can make you, it can have very negative influences. So teaching them about dose control, you know, just like we teach against binge drinking, like you need to be careful keeping it locked away and out of their hands is very, very important. Um, And it's also very, very important to teach kids about their family's mental health. So we know that in a very, very, very rare, small portion of the population that have a genetic predisposition to developing psychosis, that sometimes high doses of THC can trigger, you know, episodes of psychosis. It can trigger um, you know, a, a, an underlying disease to possibly manifest. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very, very important that patient, parents talk about their family history of things like schizophrenia. You know, a lot of, a lot of that is also not talked, not spoken about because of the mm-hmm. stigma, you know, of mental health. Um, but kids, if kids are really at risk for that, you know, genetic variant, they need to know, they need to know that, Hey, you, your friends might smoke a joint and they might be fine. You might smoke that, smoke that joint and have a really, really yeah. significant dangerous experience. So that's something they really, really need to know about as well. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's a topic that we can teach about just like we teach about all the complicated issues. I love that. I mean, it's, it's important to like, I mean, this is normalizing it. And something you said before actually struck me as important because you said, I don't talk to my kids about any, I didn't talk to my kids about any of the other medications. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I was in that same kind of realm initially where I felt like I didn't tell her I was taking Valium. Why am I going to talk to her about this? But it started to, because we incorporate cannabis in our lifestyle and we grow it and we, it's available and it's, she sees me like, and she's like, what are you making in the oven right now? (laughs) (laughs) So we, we do have a conversation about it and, you know, she's kind of like, oh yeah, great. You're making your herbs. And then she walks away. (laughs) Like, it's not that exciting to her, but I'm hoping that, you know, she's five and I'm hoping by the time she's like, you know, 15 or 16, that she's kind of like, whatever, it's just been part of her life, you know? Um, I think it's probably, it probably will. It seems like that in my house. Yeah. I guess the challenge, and this is actually a question coming from me is, you know, I, because you mentioned like your children in school and things like that. And I think a lot of parents worry about this is like CPS and those kind Mm. of concerns talking to, um, and I get a lot of like the mom, the new moms and pregnant moms and all those, but also Mm -hmm. just parents in general who are like, if my child goes to school and says like my parents use, you know, cannabis, you know, how have you dealt with any of those situations and can you give us any feedback on that? Absolutely. It is a huge challenge and a huge issue in many places. And that's one of the reasons that I always strongly encourage parents to only talk about it in a legal sitting setting because kids can say a little slip up and not even know about it. And that can be, you know, the, I, I often say the most dangerous thing about cannabis is the law. It's not like having cannabis in the house is going to cart your kids at all. But if you are, you know, if you have um, CYPS involved, then that can be very, very traumatic for the entire family and can cause severe, you know, severe issues. It's so important for parents to be educated. If there is a medical um, you know, license in their state, they should have it. It doesn't always provide protection. Um, but it is something that if you can educate the, the people that show up at your door and you can educate, you know, the, um, 
the judges that you have to down the road, like you have to be able to educate them and say, this is a medication. Um, you know, we keep it locked up. That's really, really, really important. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in a lot of places it's easier to fight a, um, you know, accusations of possession or, or, you know, about cannabis than it is to fight, to fight child endangerment. That could be much more serious. Um, so it is really, really important to keep it locked up out of reach and to be able to show that, like if somebody came to your house, like, look, I, I here's my medical card. Here's my lock box. Um, you know, my child's safe. This is safer. We replaced this medication with this medication. So now, you know, this isn't deadly. Like we had, so it's just, it's very, very important. And it's something that parents always do need to keep in the back of their mind because, you know, it can be an issue. And for single parents, especially like somebody could sue you for custody over anything, anything they want. Um, you know, and cannabis is something that can be entertained, you know, in some situations. So it can cost money. Um, you know, that's something that some single parents have unfortunately had to deal with. I don't know of anybody in, you know, well, in New Jersey, like, I don't know of any patients who've ever had any issues mm -hmm. with custody because of cannabis. Mm -hmm. I mean, have lost issues. They've had, you know, things, but I don't know of anybody as a patient who's lost custody, um, you know, because of cannabis. I think right now what I'm gathering from just messages that I get, because I get a ton of messages from people all over, it's the same question. It's like, are they going to take my child away? You know, right. what's happening? Right. I feel like for the most part, what I'm gathering is that it is just a huge inconvenience, a waste of tax dollars, and a really stressful, <laughs> you know, it's a stressful experience for the family, you know, to have to go through these things. So extremely you know, traumatic. Yeah. I can't even imagine. And I think about this all the time, not only because, you know, we, we are in a legal state, we have a lot of, you know, perks and benefits being here in California. Um, but I still, like I was telling you earlier, we have the law taped to our little grow area where we grow what the law allows our little mm -hmm. six plants. And I actually can grow, I think I can grow six, he can grow six, but we don't even do that because it's just like, I don't want to deal mm -hmm. with that. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. our little six plants. Thank you very much. We're good. And, um, you know, also being black, it's like, <laughs> like okay. I'm one of the few in my neighborhood. So I'm like, if I open my garage door, you see that I'm growing. I want you to know that what we're doing is legal here. And it's so crazy that in a legal state, I still feel those concerns, you know? And so sure. I know that I'm not the only one. I know that this is widespread and that there are people who, you know, really are worried about, um, you know, being seen, found out, discovered or whatever, even in the legal state. Um, we're pretty open about it here because we open our garage door and we let, <laughs> I mean, we let people see when they walk by. I mean, it's, it's kind of nerve-wracking for me because again I grew up with that stigma I grew up in New York City the war on drugs was a real real thing mm -hmm. Still is. significant impacts um I had a, a brother who was addicted to crack cocaine and you know we went through that whole thing with him I'm so grateful that he's had such a wonderful life and been able to turn all that around and I think Thank he's been 20 something years now amazing that's wonderful yeah and so but living with that it definitely creates all these narratives in your head that you carry around with you. Even now as a cannabis nurse, sometimes I feel those judgments and those stigmas popping back in, you know? So mm -hmm. it's not like I'm a cannabis nurse, I'm free of all the stigma. It's still there. You know, we still deal with it on a daily basis. 
Um, so I have another question because you're in New Jersey and today is election day. Thank yes. you on the other side of this tomorrow. Um, <laughs> Trey. Side. Um, but tell us about New Jersey. Tell us about a little bit about what the laws are there. And, and I know that New Jersey is on the ballot for, you know, cannabis is on the ballot in New Jersey. So tell us what that means for New Jersey, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> so <laughs> so the, oh gosh, let's see. All right. New Jersey is a mess, unfortunately. Um, this this is such an important step, but it is just a tiny little baby step to try to fix and correct our program. We have a medical program currently. We've had it um, for more than 10 years now, I believe, or maybe about, maybe this year was 10 years. Um, but it's very, very limited. We have about a dozen, um, a, a dozen retail locations. We call them ATCs here, but they're dispensaries in the entire state. Um, so, and there's constant supply shortages like our here, you know, I was looking at numbers the other day and 85%, almost 85% of the patients that I've worked with since March have gone back to either pharmaceuticals mm -hmm. or to the illicit market because they haven't been able to get product um, through the dispensaries in New Jersey. We don't have delivery. Um, it's very, very difficult. So this, you know, legalization, it's going to be slow. I'm worried that it's going to be like Maine where it takes years. I'm also worried we had a senator say the other day that they could open dispensaries up for rec right away, which hopefully the Department of Health doesn't do because we don't have the supply. Um, so it is going to be a long time before we actually see this, you know, law take effect and start benefiting people. Um, but it is, you know, one step to hopefully fixing our, you know, really our really, really weak medical program here. Wow. Hopefully it passes. But, you know, we have a lot of concerns in New Jersey. New Jersey is still, I think, the number third or the number second in the country for, for marijuana arrests, even with our, our medical program. Um, patients are, uh, people are still being arrested. Our, uh, the racial disparities are horrific in New Jersey. I think it's you're three times more likely to be arrested if you're black or brown than, to, you know, being white. Um, and that's something, you know, we were talking about parents teaching kids or that's something that kids really need to be aware of as well. You know, of course, black and brown children need to know that they are far more at risk, which a lot of times parents just naturally know to teach. But white kids need to know as well that their friends who are black and brown are very much more at risk than they are and they cannot put them in unsafe situations. Um, it's, you know, the racial disparities, it's, it's so heartaching. You know, my significant other is black and I am never afraid for myself. Like, I don't think I would be even questioned. Nobody's going to even ask, but I am always worried he's going to be targeted. Like I won't smoke flour outside of my house or even vaporize flour outside of my house. I won't take it in the car with me because I'm too scared that he's going to suffer. You know, he's not a consumer, yeah. um, but I am. And I am, you know, it's, it's very, very um, alarming. Um, it's a real thing. I mean, I grew up in this body, <laughs> you know, I've always, and it's, it's something that's really difficult for me to discuss, but I've always kind of been able to navigate in different communities and different spaces and things like that, where my husband is, I mean, he is a black man. You look at him, you know, he is a black man. Me, people kind of look at me and they're like, oh, you know, they give me a pass, which is terrible to say, but it is the reality of yeah, our society. Right. So I always worry about him. Like literally right. when he leaves, I'm always like, make sure it's like, cause he is a patient. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, put it in your bag. Don't put it in the 
console, you right, know, put it, right. put it and, and I worry about these things that he's just like, <laughs> he's like, I've been this black man and this black body my whole life. And I'm like, <laughs> but I do, you know, it is a concern that I have and it's, and again, we're in a legal state, so I right. should have less concerns, but I do, I feel like it's definitely still an issue. I feel that sometimes the issue is not even the police necessarily, even though they are definitely an issue, but I feel sometimes it's the community because they lack the education. So if they see someone smoking for their pain, they don't see that. They don't see someone consuming medicine for their pain. They just see, uh, you know, somebody uh, on the street, (laughs) you know, a street person Mm -hmm. doing these drugs. And, um, and so it's been quite interesting, you know, navigating that. So I really appreciate what you said, which is something that I think we really need to, you know, to be a good ally. It's like your black friends are at more risk than you are, honey. Like that's a very important conversation to have. And I think that, you know, kudos to you for, you know, having those conversations and teaching that. Um, So now that we're in this I feel like CBD, cannabis, like all this stuff, I mean, it's so mainstream right now. Like every, I get magazines. I don't really get that many magazines, but I do get like National Geographic. And this, it's, you would be surprised. Like every time I pick up a magazine, it's like, weed is in the magazine. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm like, my goodness, what, what, what crazy world it is. I went to work one day and I took um, the AARP magazine. And it was, like, <laughs> if you remember last year, it was like a leaf on the cover uh-huh I get to work and I literally sat it on my desk like just for the shock factor you know I'm like <laughs> in the hospital bringing in my <laughs> everybody wanted to read the magazine that's so funny <laughs> cannabis <laughs> sells magazines <laughs> it was pretty interesting um but it was what I can appreciate about I can appreciate a lot of things about mainstream because I feel like we need to normalize it more. We need to educate people. We need to bring this information to the masses. Um, However, right now in this place where we are, there's not really a good, um, what's the word? We don't have a standardization. There's no standardization. It's kind of like, you know, it's just, it's all over the place, you know, Yes, absolutely. what the information is, how people access stuff. So what would be your recommendation? People, someone is like, I want to try cannabis. I don't know where to start. Where would you, what would you say is like the best place for people as a new, new to cannabis, but wanting to maybe address symptoms in their, you know, manage their symptoms or um, find an avenue of relief with cannabis, but they're, kind of curious at this point they've never you know they don't know what to do next what would be your next advice or next step for them well I would register them for my course at cannabiseducation.com and um yeah you know I do I have a course that I teach people you know it teaches people the basics it's for new patients but it really depends on the person and exactly what they need a lot of people need full education they need to be taught everything you know all the basics that we go through the history and all of the you know the details the different methods of consumption because there is really a lot to learn um but you know, a lot of times people don't need that. They are more ready to just start and, you know, just try um, products. It really depends on the individual's access, um, you know, and what they can get at. Um, The most important thing that I always tell people is to, which all providers say over and over, it's the mantra in cannabis, start low and go slow. 
especially with THC, start at a low dose and increase slowly. But yeah, it really depends on where that specific patient is and what they need. I find a lot of patients that come to me for guidance really just need that education. And that's why I actually started my course. It just needs, they just need that, you know, that education and that handholding from that one person that they can, you know, relate to and recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other people need a lot more. Other people need you to go through every pharmaceutical that they're on. And polypharmacy is a real issue. So somebody who is taking a lot of medications, you know, there can potentially be interactions. So we would go through all of them, but it really, really depends. Most people are really able, if they've you know, if they're really ready to, and able to explore, they can just kind of jump into exploring. Mm-hmm. I always encourage people to reach for inhalation first, vaporization of flour. I'm a flour vapor. I don't, I'm not a big concentrate fan. I'll, I do use them to go out because they're more discreet, but um, yeah, I encourage them to start vaporizing flour and to, you know, start seeing how that affects them. I love it. So you've been doing this now five years, let's say. What do you feel is the, like, What's the black hole? What's the void here, like, of information? What is the thing that you feel most people are like, oh, I didn't know that? Mm, That there's so (laughs) many different types of cannabis, and every different type does a different thing. People I hear all the time, like, oh, well, my doctor just told me to get a joint and smoke it and see if it works. And then Mm -hmm. if it works, then I should go get a card. And I'm like, no, first of all, you shouldn't be buying stuff off the black market unless you actually know the grower. If, but- the real issue is that people don't realize there are so many different cultivars and that there are so many different, you know, chemical components within each cultivar. You know, it's not just THC, it's CBD, it's all of the other cannabinoids, it's the terpenes, it's the cannaflavins. Like we have research that shows us that cannaflavins alone have really been potent therapeutic effects, you know? And, um, so it's, it's something that people don't realize there are thousands of different kinds. It's something that really frustrates me here in New Jersey because you'll go to the dispensary and they'll have like one cultivar available Mm. or two. And it's absurd. Patients need to try multiple different kinds to really find what works for them. And the same with methods of consumption. Like people don't realize that there can be very different and profound therapeutic, profoundly different therapeutic, um, effects from, you know, smoking versus vaping versus topical. Um, so that's something I think is the biggest knowledge deficit across, across healthcare providers, across patients and across the lawmakers. Yeah. I mean, everyone thinks it's like, Oh, if I want to feel upbeat, I take a sativa. If I want to like relax or, you know, have pain relief. Uh, yeah. It's nonsense. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. And I, right. like, like I was talking to you with pre-show was like, you know, I had, pre-rolls delivered to me of all different cultivars. And I sat there and tried them all to figure out which one of these work. And to be honest with you, that was three years ago or whatever it was. And I'm still trying to figure out Mm -hmm. which ones are really the right ones. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? Like I have like a few of my go-to, but I'm, it's, it's, you know, it's really um, something important, even with, you know, I I talk about this sometimes because people think, Oh, well, CBD, you know, like when people have CBD flour or CBD oils, CBD also has multiple, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cannabinoids in it, yes. and, you know, and terpenes. And people don't realize like that mm-hmm. all things live within these plants, regardless if it's a hemp plant or, you know, cannabis plant. But it's interesting to me how we don't really talk about that that much. You know, we don't really, sh- we, we, it's been kind of, you know, sativa in, the <laughs> in that, you know, it does leave a huge gap. 
I think the other black hole is the endocannabinoid system because people don't even know that it ex- exists, mm-hmm. right? For sure. So, there's Healthcare a- nurses have no idea. No, no. See, the endocannabinoid system. system. They're like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's. So I think that's fascinating. So if we were, this is a, this is just a fun question before we end. But if we could look at the endocannabinoid system and say, how do we know? Like, you know, we don't have a test. We like, you can check your heart. You know, they can look at your vessels. They can see how your cardiovascular system is doing. You know, they can do it and, you know, they can check your brain, you know, the neurological function of your brain, you know, our, our, the ortho, you know, movements of your body. Like, you know, we can check all of our, Mm. how do we know, how could we check our endocannabinoid system. What do you think would be a good assessment of an endocannabinoid? <laughs> you know, it's so dynamic. It involves so many different parts. It's hard. Like even when you check your endocrine system, you run so many different tests, right? right? You look at so many different factors. I think eventually we'll see that for the endocannabinoid system. We'll see tests that, you know, somehow examine our natural endocannabinoid levels and our, you know, natural receptors and the status of the receptors. But I think that's way, way, way far in the future. I'm so excited for that, that though, because I feel like there's definitely something to be said. I mean, we've already identified these cannabinoids and how they you know, work in our body on a surface level, mm-hmm. we're still trying to get deeper with it, but it's going to be exciting when we actually see the endocannabinoid system, you know, and open our textbooks and see like <laughs> all of our, <laughs> be amazing. You know? I know. And they're like, this is your endocannabinoid system. These are all the things that it does. And this is all the other systems it interacts with. Um, and it's going to be awesome. I think we're definitely in a place now where, um, the veil has been lifted somewhat and people mm-hmm. are interested. And, you know, I'm, I, again, I'm in California. I tell my doctors, you know, I use cannabis. They all look at me like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I do get, um, you know, I get s- some slack about it from my older doctors. And then the younger doctors are kind of like, they don't even talk about it. They're kind of like, okay, whatever. Um, I have a young doctor right now who is, I am his science project because I have been, <laughs> off, my, I've been off my Synthroid for my hypothyroidism for a year. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, every three months, he makes me come in to have my labs done. Good. And every three sure. months, yeah. And every three months when I come in, he's always like, this is going to be the one (laughs) where you're not normal. (laughs) And he just doesn't get it. You know, he's like, I just, because we don't know how it's working, Mm -hmm. it really goes against that knowledge base. And so, you know, as experts, you know, doctors and nurses and all of us who have our expertise, we have a certain level of this happens because of this and equals this result, you know, Mm -hmm. that evidence base. And I can tell when I'm talking to my doctors that they're curious, um, but afraid still. Sure. So even in a state like California, we're seeing that. So I know that we have a long way to go, but I'm super excited that we have amazing nurses like you, um, you know, teaching people, helping mm-hmm. people like this is, you know, it's it's really a joy for me, especially because I'm from New York originally. So I'm like, yeah, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> but just to see more um, knowledge being spread there, because honestly, I came from the East Coast to California. And when I came to California and I saw dispensaries, I was like, oh, what the heck? I'm like, <laughs> 
And a lot of people still do that. Yeah. I was like, oh, there's like a dispensary everywhere. My husband made me go to the dispensary because he was like, you have to go and know, you need to have this experience. How can you not have this experience? And I was like, I just don't want to go. Like, it just seemed, <laughs> it seemed like a scary place. Um, and now, you know, I visit the dispensary or whatever, whenever, and it's nothing. You, right, know, right. you can even get clones at the dispensary. That's amazing. I'm so jealous of that. Like, we need that here. The dispensary. It's like being at the nursery. I'm like, oh, look at the little pretty people. <laughs> Which variety do I want? Hmm. That's amazing. So it's been, you know, it's been a journey and it's been exciting. And it's also been a um, eye-opening because as I'm sharing my experience from a California perspective to pretty much all of our family, friends, like everyone that we know is on the East Coast. They're all like, what's happening over there? <laughs> so I've even had, yeah. I, I remember when I told a nurse friend of mine, we, we went to school together and been friends all this time. And she said, so cannabis says, she's like, wait a minute, are, are we using this? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes. She was like, of course. <laughs> she was like, Hmm, okay. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> in, um, Virginia. Virginia. Oh yeah. They have tough like, laws there. Yeah. They're just Virginia. coming around. Although they just decriminalized actually. See, they, but they were them. one dispensary. Um, I think it's in, I forget what it's a name with a B Bristol, Virginia. Mm-hmm. I think they have one dispensary. They're supposed to be getting, I think three for the whole state or so. It's a very oh, limited number, less than five. I'm sure. I feel like this is a good time to know who you're voting for, know what they're, uh, what they stand for. Even if it's not on your ballot now, know that, you know, we're, you have to kind of keep, you know, your local votes, your local legislation is so important. Definitely. Um, You know, yeah, local, local, you're absolutely right. Your local laws are so, so important. I think it's going to be, you know, hopefully sooner than later that we see a federal change, but who knows? Those local laws. And that's where people can really make a difference. That's where they can really impact and influence. I love it. Well, Jesse, it was awesome having you on the show. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. Tell us everywhere we can find you. You can find me at marijuanamommy.com. Um, and you'll find all of my social media up there. I'm everywhere. Awesome. Well, I appreciate having you. And Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. This has been fun. Yes, this is super exciting. I mean, I think that we can all agree that there's a long road still here with cannabis, but Mm. just having some tools, tips, and information and resources can really make a difference on your journey. Um, You know, so stay connected. (laughs) Definitely check out Marijuana Mommy. Um, She's got a ton of resources there, and we look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. (laughs) 